Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Valley Creek. I am so glad to see you here today. We want to welcome all of our campuses. Maybe you're in Denton, Flower Mound, Louisville, the venue, an extension site, watching online, wherever you are, we are really glad that you are here with us today because today we are going to wrap up the first pass at our series called Rooted in Jesus. But this is not the end of something, it's the beginning of flourishing. Because this is more than a sermon series, this is a lifestyle. You see, as a church, we're in a season where we're talking about getting rooted in Jesus so we can flourish in life. In fact, our theme for 2018 is rooted in Jesus, going back to the basics, back to building a relationship with Jesus, moving past just identifying with him and associating ourselves with Jesus to actually connecting to him. And as the world continues to move faster and get more complex, we are invited to slow down and simplify to go back to the only thing that matters and his name is Jesus. You see, what we've been saying in this series is that if we're honest with one another, a lot of our hearts have drifted, that we found ourselves rooted in other things, often unintentionally, but we find ourselves kind of drawing from, resting on, receiving from the things of this world. The, promise is, the problem is, is those things never deliver on their promises and they leave you feeling dry and weary and burdened. And when you lose connection with the source of life, you will always lose your life. So Jesus is inviting us to come back home, to rest on, receive from, and trust in him. And what we've been doing is talking about five roots or five pathways of connection with Jesus. And let me just kind of walk you back through where we've been to remind you if you were here and to bring us all up to speed in case you missed one. We said the first one was just engage the scriptures. And notice it says engage the scriptures, not read the Bible, because you can read the Bible and completely miss Jesus. The point is to engage the scriptures. We don't work on the scriptures, the scriptures work on us. And the entire Bible is the story of Jesus and what he has done. So when we engage the scriptures, we don't look for it from a self-focused perspective. We look at it from a Jesus-focused perspective, not to discover what we have to do, but to discover who he is and what he has already done. And we said that when you read the Bible, engage the scriptures, you can ask yourself three questions. What is this teaching me about who I am, who God is, and what I am created to do? And if you don't engage the scriptures, you don't have to feel guilty, you don't have to feel bad, but you'll probably feel hungry because the scriptures sustain and satisfy our soul. And then we went on to talk with God, prayer. We said that who you are praying to is more important than how you pray. It's not about having the perfect right words, but who you're talking to, our heavenly father, and because of what Jesus has done, we can walk right into the throne room of heaven and talk right to God. And then we have to understand that what prayer is, is that it's a conversation, not a religious ritual. It's not a last resort, it's a lifestyle. And if you don't talk with God, you don't have to feel bad, you don't have to feel guilty, but you probably will feel lonely because you are meant to connect with him. And then we went on to godly relationships. And we said that all of us are invited to have two or three godly relationships, not just a Christian friend, but people where we talk about, learn about, and become more like Jesus together. And we said we were created for godly relationships, that it's in godly relationships you actually experience the tangible presence of Jesus because where two or three are gathered, there he is also. And those relationships keep you grounded and growing. And if you don't build godly relationships, you don't have to feel bad, you don't have to feel guilty, but you probably feel like something in your life is missing because it is. And then last week we talked about meeting the needs you see or serving. 
We said that serving is the pathway to greatness, that serving isn't just what we do, servant is who we are, and that Jesus takes our serving or lack thereof personally. And if you don't meet the needs you see, if you don't serve anybody around you, you don't have to feel bad, you don't have to feel guilty, but you probably feel purposeless because it is your purpose and what you were created to do. Are you with me on that so far? Which brings us to the last route. Invest your time. It's the most important of all the routes because it requires time to do all the rest of these. Investing your time is the most important route in getting rooted in Jesus to flourish in life because it takes time to engage the scriptures, talk with God, build godly relationships, and meet the needs you see. And so the last thing we are willing to give is the one thing that is needed the most if you're gonna get rooted in Jesus and flourish in life, because let's be honest, we don't wanna give our time. Anyone wanna admit to that today? I mean, it's been fascinating over the years to watch as people have changed. It used to be years ago that people would give you their time, but they weren't willing to give you their money or their possessions or their stuff. Now it's flipped. People are like, man, take my money, take my possessions, take my stuff, but you cannot have my time. And I want you to notice it says, invest your time. Because every day, every person in this room gets the same 24 hours and you get to choose how you use it. And you get three choices. You can invest your time into your future. You can spend your time and never get it back. Or you can use it in such a way that you're actually stealing from your future. You get three choices. You can invest your time into the future. You can pay a cost today and get a return tomorrow. Get rooted in Jesus today so you can flourish in life in the days to come. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, if you give God your time today, he promises to give you even more back tomorrow. You can invest it in your future. Second thing you can do is you can just spend it. You can spend it and live your life, do whatever you want to do, kind of however you feel like living today and never get it back. Ecclesiastes 2.11. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, I spent time the way I wanted to. It was all so meaningless. Like the chasing of the wind, there was really nothing worthwhile anywhere. You can spend it. And once you spend it, you can't get it back. It's gone forever. And then the third option is, is you can steal from your future. You see, every time you choose to align yourself with the kingdom of darkness, every time you choose to willfully sin, every time you choose to go against God, you're not just spending your time in the moment, you're actually stealing time from the future. John 10, 10, Jesus tells us Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He not only wants to steal your present, he wants to steal your future. And so if he can get you to align with him today, what gets set in motion in your life is consequences. And those consequences get set in motion and they get punted into your future. Maybe it's a couple days, a couple weeks, a couple months. Sometimes it's years later. We then have to spend those days undoing the knots we tied back then, taking care of the consequences that got set in motion and now are cascading into our lives. Does that make sense to you? I think we spend a lot of our time. We lose a lot of our time because we stole it already in the past by doing things the world's way instead of God's way. And so the question I would ask you is those three options, like which is, which is true of you? Ephesians 5, 15 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You see, one of the most important decisions you make in life is how you're gonna use your time because it's the only thing you can't get back. 
You can make more money. You can get a new job. You can build new relationships. You can get new possessions. You can discover new opportunities, but you can never get your time back. You either invest it or you lose it. And I am convinced that one of the primary things that we see that keeps people from growing on their journey with Jesus is the unwillingness to invest their time. Like, can you imagine for a moment that first encounter that Jesus and Peter had? If Peter was on the shore with his boat, Jesus comes walking by, hey, Peter, leave your boat, come follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men and help you discover your destiny. And can you imagine if Peter would have sat there and said, mm. Man, Jesus, this sounds really good, but I, I just ain't got the time for that right now. Like, like, I know you got that gathering that you do, Jesus, like once a week for about an hour. And so if I just look at my life, like realistically, I could maybe make half of those. And then you got to think there'll be some holidays and some other things going on. So maybe let's call it 20 a year. And because of my kids and just stuff, you know, I can't really make it on time. So I'll be like 15 minutes late and I'll probably have to leave a little bit early. Is that cool, Jesus? And then, you know what, engage the scriptures like, yeah, I don't really have the time for that. But I, I'm sure that some every day when I'm on Facebook, at least one of my friends will have posted a Bible verse. We'll call that good. <laughs> and then talk with you. Maybe we can throw a few texts back and forth when I'm sitting in traffic, you know, and then build godly relationships. Like if you're expecting me to spend time to build relationships with those guys that are following you, you crazy. Like, have you seen them? I ain't got time for that, for those kind of people and meet the needs you see. I got some needs in my own life I'm trying to take care of right now. So you know what, Jesus? I'm, I'm pretty excited about this thing. I ain't got the time for it, but I'm really looking forward to the freedom and the destiny that you have for me. <laughs> we wouldn't be reading about Peter today, would we? He would be like the thousands of other people that let Jesus walk in and out of their life. But Peter was willing to say, okay, Jesus, I'll invest my time. And listen, I know we're busy. We got places to go, things to do, people to see, activities, work, hobbies, school, travel, life. We got all that stuff. And here's what we say. If I had more time, I would get rooted. If I had more time, I'll get rooted. Like if I didn't have to raise these kids and if I didn't have so much responsibility in my life and if I didn't have to travel for work and if I wasn't currently in school, if I had more time, I would get rooted. No, you wouldn't. Saying you would get rooted if you had more time is like people who say they would tithe if they had more money. No, you won't. Because whatever you do with a little bit that tells you what you're going to do with much. However you handle a little bit of money tells you exactly how you'll handle a lot of money. However you handle a little bit of time tells you exactly how you'll handle a lot of time. I mean, Luke 16, 10, if you are faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the larger ones. He tells us whatever you do with a little is exactly what you would do with a lot. But if you're dishonest with the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And the paradox is if you would just be faithful with the little bit of time you have today, he supernaturally clears your calendar and gives you back even more time. It's amazing how that works. And here's the deal. You don't have time for everything, but you always have time for the right things. And hear me, you will always make time for what you value the most. How you spend your time tells you what your heart values because you're spending the only thing you can't get back. Investing your time is tangible trust. It's really what it is. Because what you're saying is, is that God can build a better life for me with my time than I can build for myself by keeping my own time. And if you will give God your time, he will give you his life. Not your life, 
he will give you his life, which I submit to you is better than your life. You see, if you really want to get rooted in Jesus, you're going to have to invest your time. I mean, just this week, I was playing catch with my son. And we were out on, on the road playing catch back and forth. And we live on a corner. And, and my neighbor's fence and our fence come together. And as, as me and Trey were playing catch, I noticed this bare spot. And it's bothered me. It's where a tree, a little tree died like five years ago. And it's this barren spot. And I never did anything about it. And as we're playing catch, I look right over here. And here's my neighbor's spot. And he's got this tree, it's rooted, it's big now, it's tall, it's flourishing, covers up his back, whole backyard, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking at his amazing tree, and I'm looking at my barren spot. And you know what I thought? I thought, I wonder if I could buy a tree like that. <laughs> That's the first thought I had. I wonder if I could go buy one. Why? Because I don't want to plant a seed in the ground. I don't want to buy a little six-inch sapling and like take care of the thing. I just want this giant tree covering up my backyard like my neighbor has. That's ridiculous, isn't it? The only way I can get this tree is by spending the time. For the last five years, I've been looking at a barren spot. My neighbor's been out there watering and taking care of his tree, and now it's flourishing. And so I decided I'm going to cut it down, because if I can't have one, he can't either. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I hope my neighbor's not here today. You can't buy maturity. You can't insta roots. You can't go and discover fruitfulness. You can't find health. You can't go get strength. The only way you can do is grow it. Every healthy, mature follower of Jesus that's fruitful that you see, they got that way by investing their time. Like think of a farmer. You know what a farmer does? He goes out and he clears the land. Then he tills the soil. He gets all the debris out of the soil. He takes a seed, let's call it corn. He puts it in the ground, covers it up. He waters it. He fertilizes it. Then what is the very next thing a farmer does? He waits. Imagine if the farmer did all that, went into his house, and the next day came out and looked and said, man, it's broken. It ain't working. Like, no, you got to wait and keep watering it, keep fertilizing it, and eventually it's going to grow, and this great harvest is going to come. That's what we do here. We clear the land over our heart. We turn up the soil and get rid of the junk. The life of Jesus gets planted inside of us. We water it, we fertilize it, and the very next thing we do is wait. And if you'll just keep engaging the process, an amazing harvest will come forth in your life. The problem is, is we don't like that in our insta-have-it-now microwavable world. I mean, if you just go back to the first century church and you think about this church, I mean, in Acts chapter two, they like, they flourish, they're healthy, they have signs and wonders, miracles. I mean, we look at that church and we think we all wanna be like them. But Acts 2.42, it tells us exactly why they got that way. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. The word devoted in the original language means to continue to do something with intense effort despite difficulty. Think about it. Devoted, to continue to do something with intense effort despite difficulty. To continue to invest their time with intense effort despite difficulty. And look what they were devoted in. To the apostles' teaching, engaging the scriptures. To the fellowship, building godly relationships, breaking bread, which is serving one another, meeting the needs you see, and prayer. They devoted themselves to the rooted process so they got rooted in Jesus and flourished in life. 
And you might say, well, yeah, but those were the guys that actually walked with Jesus. No, it wasn't. It says in that group were the disciples and people who just got saved that day. And they all got rooted and flourished in life because they were willing to be devoted in the midst of persecution, difficulty, death, and the threat of imprisonment. The Romans wanted to crush Christianity. I mean, can I just make an observation for a moment? American Christianity is not very tough. Is that okay to say? Like, let's put us in that lump for a moment. Like, we're kind of wimpy. We're not all that devoted. We don't persevere. We don't push through. We don't endure well. A little obstacle, a little inconvenience, a little hurdle. We're like, peace, I'm out. I mean, it's so funny, like we just do this for so long, you start realizing like you sh- the, the, the things that people say on why they can't be a part of what God's doing. It's like, man, it's too rainy, it's too sunny. It's too hot, it's too cold. It's too windy, it's too still. It's a Monday, it's a Friday. It's the morning, it's the evening. It's too long, it's too short. It's too deep, it's not deep enough. I'm too connected, I'm not connected enough. You told me with too much advance notice, you didn't give me enough advance notice. You're like, dear Lord. And that's why we don't grow. Comfort and inconvenience are the enemies of growth. Hebrews 12 says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, like those who invested their time before us, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, he says, hey, if you want to run your race, if you actually want to run your race and live the destiny that God has for you, you're going to have to deal with some inconveniences. You're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to be willing to get around the obstacles and the hurdles and the inconvenient things and endure and press through. You see, what he's telling us is it doesn't matter how you start. It matters how you finish. No one cares that we're excited about being rooted in Jesus in January and February. What matters is what is it going to be like in May, in July, in September and December? And here's what I would say to you. Don't uproot yourself every time it gets hard. I mean, every time there's an obstacle, it's like we just uproot ourselves out of the ground. Like, man, I didn't understand that verse. I ain't reading it anymore. I prayed and God didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to. I ain't doing it anymore. I went to a group and there were some weird people there. I ain't doing groups anymore. I'm just telling you, that's going to happen until you find the right one. Because there ain't no unicorns. Remember that? If you were here. I can't meet the needs I see because it's inconvenient. I know, man, we uproot ourselves. Here's the deal. I understand that it is really hard to invest your time when you don't see instant results. That's called faith. That's all that is. Galatians 6, 9, do not grow weary in doing what is good for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. He says, hey, every time you engage one of these roots, whether you realize it or not, you're actually growing. Your roots are growing deeper and you will reap a harvest if you don't give up, if you don't uproot yourself and you keep persevering and pressing on, God is gonna do something amazing. And the paradox is it changes in here before we ever see it out here. 
We look out here and say nothing's happening. Listen, the roots grow underground a long time before you see fruit above ground. Your heart is changing before you start seeing it out here. See, we overestimate how much should happen in a day and underestimate how much can happen in a year. Like, listen to what Jesus says, Mark 4. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he doesn't even know how. All by itself, the soil produces the grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. He says, a farmer goes out and sows his seed. And night or day, whether he sleeps or gets up, he doesn't even know how, but the thing is growing. I mean, how does a seed really grow? Do you know? You don't know. (laughs) You just put it in the ground and it starts to grow. How do you grow? You just plant yourself in Jesus and you start to grow. God makes you grow whether you even realize it or not. Some of you are here, your root structure is getting so strong and you don't even realize you're changing yet. That's the Holy Spirit at work. That's why you feel drawn to come back. That's why you feel drawn to engage. That's why you feel like God's doing something. And you, you have this, you're on this verge of an awakening. You're not even sure what it is. So don't give up. I mean, aren't you glad that he's more devoted to our growth than we're devoted to our own growth? And so here's what I think I have for you. I, I really think I have a word um, today for our church. I almost never do this, but I feel that strongly about it, that I think I have a prophetic word for our church that I want to speak over us. And you say a prophetic word, what's that? Prophecy is just when we hear from God and speak to people. And New Testament prophecy is always three things. It's always encouraging, exhorting, and it's building up. Always. So if it's not encouraging, it's not exhorting, and it doesn't build you up, it wasn't prophecy, it wasn't the Lord, you can reject it. And so uh, last year, as we were kind of going through the year, for me personally, I had to be devoted to a lot of things. I had to endure a lot of stuff. I had to persevere. And as we got towards the end of the year, Colleen and I were able to get away for a couple of days. And I was just processing with the Lord. And he gave me this word. It was so clear. And I wrote it down. And I was like, okay, that's a word for me. And then as we've been going through this series, the Lord brought that back. And he said, actually, that is a word for us. And the reason it was so profound to me is because I am a part of us. And so it is a word to Valley Creek Church. Here's what I think it is. I think God is saying, you can't rush what I'm doing in you, but you're gonna need what I'm doing for the journey ahead. I think Jesus wants to say to you today, you can't rush what I'm doing in you, but you are gonna need what I'm doing for the journey ahead. See, I think right now what God's doing in us is he's doing a deep work. He's sinking our roots down into the ground. He's anchoring us. He's building a foundation. He's making us strong so that we will be able to support the fruit and the life that he wants to entrust us with. And however we choose to respond in this season to what he wants to do determines what he can do in the season to come. Because God is so gracious that if your root structure isn't strong enough, he won't give you that which he wants to do in your life because he doesn't want to break you or uproot you. I mean, I want you to think about these two verses. Matthew chapter seven says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It got rooted in Jesus, so it flourished in life. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I think Jesus is saying right now, you can't rush what I'm doing, and I'm building a firm foundation in your life so that when the winds and the rains come, you'll be able to stand strong. And oh, by the way, when you have a firm foundation, you become a shelter for the world to run to when their castles of sand come crumbling down. That's what he's doing. And the second word that I want you to see out of this to support this word from God is just kind of our theme verse, one of our theme verses for the year, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family and heaven on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, a deep work, the rooting in your heart, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Remember, love is not a feeling. It's not an action. It's not a concept. He's a person and his name is Jesus may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Ready? Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is within us. He's saying, you can't rush what I'm doing in you, but you're gonna need and you're gonna want what I'm doing in you for the days ahead because I'm about to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine in your life. I'm about to overload you with fruit. I'm about to overload you with goodness. I'm gonna give you opportunities and platforms and influence and encouragements and breakthrough and revelation and wisdom and jobs and hopes and futures. But you're gonna need the root structure to withstand it. And so you can't rush it and you have to lean into it. And the crazy part about a word from God is once he gives it to you, you get the choice on what happens to it. Do you steward it or you let it go? And you know what it requires? Faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. See if you can catch this with this verse. Faith is being sure of what I hope for, the flourishing that's gonna come, and certain of what I do not see, that my roots are growing even though I don't realize it. Faith is being sure of what I hope for. I am hopeful that God is gonna do immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine in my life, and certain of what I do not see, that as I engage these things, my root structure is growing, and I will be able to withstand the goodness and the grace of God that he wants to place on my life. It's called faith. Psalm 37 and 4, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, even when it doesn't make sense. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. And it feels counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because we want to build this big life and so we feel like we're going in the wrong direction. But what you have to remember is that in the kingdom of God, down is always the way up. If you want to go up, go down. You want to get wider, go deeper. You want more fruit, get your roots going. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Are you with me on that? And I realize it feels so counterintuitive. 
even for us as a church. Like for us as a church right now, you know what we should be doing? We should be launching the next campus. We should be adding things to the calendar. We should be creating new events and initiatives. And so as we're kind of going through this year, I'm like, yeah, Lord, that word applies to us as individuals, not us as a church, right? You can't rush what I'm doing, but you're going to need what I'm doing for the journey ahead. It's true for all of us. Faith is the belief that God can build a bigger life with your time than you can build with your time. And if you will give God your time, he will give you his life. Are you with me on that? So this is what we're going to do all year. Because it doesn't matter how we start, it matters how we finish. We're going to engage the scriptures. And I would encourage you, every month, we're going to give you a new reading plan. I think you got the fresh one today. Just going to chapter a day. We're taking you all throughout the scriptures. Get one of the rooted journals. They're five bucks in the cafe that have all the questions on how to even read the chapter. Do that. Watch what God will do throughout the year. Talk with him and just pray and just start little moments in life just talking with God. Build some godly relationships. Just find one. Just even say, man, if I could have one by the end of the year, you know how strong my root would be. Join a group. Join a serve team. Go to the Rooted Experience every Monday morning at 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. for the entire year. Even if we get to November and there's only three of us that actually show up anymore for it, by faith we're doing it because I am sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see. And we will help you grow. Meet a need you see. You don't have to join a serve team. You could join a serve team here. You go to the Next Step Center. Maybe it's just meeting a need you see in your life and then invest your time. And you say, well, I, I, can't, I can't do all that. Listen, when I say invest your time, I'm not saying God wants your 24 hours every day. <laughs> he does, but not in the way you think about it. So maybe you just got to give God five minutes a day. So it, listen, when a seed starts growing... Don't let this overwhelm me. When a seed starts growing, you know what starts? One root. So if you're like, I got to do all that. No. Just take a next step in any of it. Like, what is your next step? You might normally come 15 minutes late to church. Maybe you come 10 minutes late to church. That would be a step of faith. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. Because what, what are you saying in that? You're saying that if I give God five more minutes, even though I don't feel like it today, something is going to happen in my heart that I'm completely unaware of. That's why it's called faith. And that's why it's underground. That's why you don't see it. But it, it brings breakthrough. And what does it require? Time. You see, you will always struggle giving God your time until you first believe he has given you eternity. You will struggle giving God your hours until you believe he's given you forever. That's why Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, the psalmist says, help me have an eternal perspective so I can actually know how to live my life. Because an eternal perspective gives you daily wisdom. An eternal perspective teaches you how to invest your hours, your days, your weeks, and your years. And if you're here and you're like, I don't know, just then just ask God, give me a desire to get rooted in you. And if you don't want to invest your time, listen, you don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to feel bad. I hope you've picked that up in this series. That's the best thing about this entire series. And it's all about the goodness of Jesus. This is not guilt. This is not shame. You don't have to do it. I'm just telling you what you'll miss out on. You won't, you'll just never experience the fullness of your potential. Because without time, you will never flourish in life. You'll have a barren spot sitting over your heart instead of a fruitful tree blossoming and flowering. 
In fact, here's a fascinating question to just ask yourself. When is the best time to plant a tree? When's the best time to plant a tree? You know what the answer is? 20 years ago. Because <laughs> its roots will be strong, its trunk will be big, and its fruit will be abundant. Do you know when the second best time to plant a tree is? Today. Today. Because the decisions you make today determine who you're going to be tomorrow. In John chapter 12, to pull it all together, Jesus says... I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for this life, for their life in this world, will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Jesus is talking about himself. And he likens his own life to a seed that when he died and was buried in the ground, it was a seed that brought an abundant harvest fruit in your life. But he's also saying your life is like a seed. And you get a choice on what you're going to do with it. You see, if you think of just this seed right here, if you take this seed and you plant it in a box, in a cup, in a bowl, in a cupboard, in sand, in water, nothing's going to happen. But the moment you put it in soil, it awakens and its potential is released. Your life is a seed. And if you plant it in work, hobbies, activity, money, addictions, the things of this world, nothing's going to happen. But the moment you plant your life in Jesus, you awaken and the fullness of your potential is being released. John 15, 5, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. He says, if you get rooted in me, I promise you will flourish in life. But without me, you can do nothing. You will stay a seed forever, and you will never blossom and bloom. There is unlimited potential in this seed. And there is unlimited potential in your life. But it's never released until it is planted. Because when a seed is planted in the ground, it submits and surrenders itself and gives up control. When you get planted in Jesus, you're submitting and surrendering yourself, giving up control, and he says, now, now, get ready for what I'm going to do. And so here's what we're going to do together for a moment, in a moment, is we're going to invite you to, by faith, if you want to, get up and take one of these seeds at the boxes that are around and plant it in the soil. <laughs> and you're like, for real, bro, we're going to plant like a seed in dirt and inside? Yes, we are. <laughs> and here's what this is. This is called an act of faith. It's called a prophetic declaration. It's making a physical gesture that represents a spiritual truth. And you say, well, is that in the Bible? all over the Bible. A prophet once told the king, shoot an arrow out a window and he was going to win a victory. Uh, another prophet told a man with leprosy, go wash in the river seven times and you'll be cured. Water does not cure leprosy. 
God told the Israelites, march around the city of Jericho six days, and on the seventh day, the walls of the city would fall down and they would be able to take the, the city. The whole point was it was by faith. They were moving physically to say, I believe spiritually and supernaturally that this is a picture of what is happening in my life. And so in a moment, we're going to invite you. And when you come, there's seeds right here. And when you pick one up, here's my encouragement to you. When you pick it up, what do you need to uproot yourself from? Because before you can get rooted, you got to get uprooted. And maybe you need to uproot yourself from that addiction, from work, from hobbies, from some relationship, from activities. I don't know what it is. What's that thing that you rest on, receive from, and trust in? Uproot yourself from that thing. And then by faith, plant your life in Jesus and watch what he'll do. Colossians 2, 6, and 7, our theme verse. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today's your day. Today's the day to say, Jesus, by faith, I believe that you died for me. And now I get to live with you. That you've forgiven me of my sins, that you've taken my brokenness and instead you're exchanging and giving me your life. So just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. You don't have to do this. And it's really okay. But if you by faith want to say this year, I'm giving my life to be rooted in Jesus so I can flourish in him, I just want to invite you to respond. See, we've ended every message, every route in this series by talking about repentance, changing our thinking. Changing our thinking and say, I don't want to think about it that way anymore. I want to think about it this way. And repentance is not only changing our thinking. When your thinking changes, your direction changes. So today is a reflection point. It's a decision moment. It's a decision to say, I'm going to repent. I'm going to stop going my way. And I'm going to start going God's way. And I'm going to take a small step of faith. A small step of faith to believe that the potential of my life gets released when I'm rooted in Jesus. So for the next few moments, these guys are going to pray and we're going to respond and then we'll close it with prayer. And so as you feel led, if you want to participate, how you want to participate, we want to invite you to respond and then we'll close it together.